What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 79 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, never have we needed you as a leader more than we do now. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in education or athletics or if you're in, in entertainment or you're in business. We need spiritual leaders more than ever. Spiritual leaders are those people that live out who God is in the place that they work and in the place that they live. You know, we've all watched in horror the tragedy on the streets of Minnesota this week, in Minneapolis, where George Floyd lost his life and it just should have never happened. But we've also watched the craziness of our weekend. And, and, and at points, you just feel like this is just spinning out of control. The good thing is it's caused us to have dialogues we've needed to have for a long time. But when we face things like this, to me, you go to the people that understand. And very few people truly understand a few months ago, I had heard about a young leader in our country named Chris Singleton. John Gordon had posted a lot about him, and John's a mutual friend of ours. And I reached out to Chris, and he was kind enough to be interviewed for the podcast. It was all set to be released in September, actually, when all the events began to happen this past week. I thought that conversation is the perfect conversation to be released now. Chris Singleton's a former professional baseball player. He played in the Cubs organization. He played college baseball at Charleston Southern. Grew up in South Carolina. Now he travels the country passionately speaking to students, spreading his message that love is greater than hate. See, his mother, Sharonda Coleman Singleton, was murdered along with eight other victims at Mother Emanuel AME Church in downtown Charleston, June of 2015, by a white male who wanted to start a race-related war in the United States. Chris inspired his city, and today he's going to inspire you. I cannot wait for you to listen to this conversation where love is truly stronger than hate. I want you to pull up a chair. And I want you to listen in to my time with Chris Singleton. Chris, it is an honor to have you on the podcast today, buddy. Thanks for joining me. Glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Well, I've enjoyed listening to you. I've heard you on so many platforms and hearing your story. There's a lot I love about you. One of the things is you're a baseball guy, and I love baseball. Tell me, is that something that began in you at an early age, Chris? 
Yeah, man, I've been playing baseball since I was three years old. Um, and so I've, I've always played it. It's always been something I loved, absolutely loved. And then as the years grew on, I met my best friend playing baseball, and he's the reason why I stayed in it so long, because I loved basketball as well. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was my first love, and it, it still is. I love it. So you you grow up, you go to Goose Creek High School. My in-laws used to live there in Goose Creek. Went to Goose Creek High School, went on and played at Charleston Southern. Did you think college would be the end of the journey, or did you even think when you were playing in college that you had a shot to move on and play at the next level? Well, my freshman year, I, I once I broke the starting lineup my freshman year after a couple games, uh, I figured I had a chance. only reason I say that is because the center fielder before me was an awesome center fielder, and he got drafted. And I said, you know what? If he can get drafted uh, in, in the three years that he did, then I said, maybe I've got a shot too. So I just started working hard to try to accomplish that dream. And, and you did. You got drafted by the Cubs and went on and had and you had some time in the minor leagues. What was the what was the biggest difference for you, Chris, going from from high school to college, and then college to to minor league baseball? What were the biggest differences for you as you changed and ebbed through that process? Yeah, you know, the way I describe it is um, from from high school to college is you're like you're playing against the best people in their city, maybe in their state. Um, and then from college to pro ball, I realized you're not playing against people that are the best in their state. You're playing against some people that are the best in their country. Mm. And that's a big jump. You know, it's a big jump. And so I think with every level, you kind of adapt to it because once you started playing uh, college baseball, you realize that 90 mile an hour fastball is not as fast as you thought. And then once you start playing professional baseball, you see that 94, 95 doesn't look as quick as it did when you were in college. So I think it's always adapting to the next level. That's good. And I, I know adversity is part of the game too. I mean, we always tell, I help coach a high school team here in Atlanta. We always tell the kids, you know, the best players are, they're making out seven out of 10 times. What are things about adversity that you learned in baseball that have gone on to help you in life? Yeah, man, baseball is a resilient sport. You got to be resilient. You got to, you know, you, you may have a weekend or a week where you you go three, four games in a row without getting a knock. And you got to stay resilient with your your preparation. You got to stay resilient. You got to stay committed. And I think that that's great for business, whether it's in your everyday job or if you're an entrepreneur, you got to keep chomping at the bit. And that's something that baseball taught me. You know, it doesn't matter how the last three games went. You, you got an opportunity today. So make the most out of it. June the 17th, 2015, you walked through an adversity I know you didn't see coming. And there was a shooting at a church. We all read about it. We all watched it on television at Emanuel AME Church there in Charleston. But that was more than just a, a news story in your life. Walk us through that story, Chris, and, and what changed in your life that day on June 17th. Yeah, man, I always describe that day as the unthinkable because, you know, never in a million years would I think I would lose my mom um, in a church shooting uh, because of the color of her skin. You know, that's not something you, you think could ever happen to you. The worst of the worst in your, mom, your mind is you may lose your mom to cancer prematurely or something of that sort. But never in a million years would I think that I would lose my mom to a racial-related uh, mass shooting. And that's why I call it the unthinkable, man. I was 18 years old. My brother was 12. My sister was 15. And my mom was everything to us. She was our breadwinner. She was, you know, our, our coach. She was our, 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 she was my pastor. You know, she, she taught me about the Lord and, and she introduced me to have that relationship. So 
But when that happened, man, it, it definitely shook my world and turned everything upside down for sure. How quick, Chris, did you begin to walk in? Because you talk so much about forgiveness and reconciliation and all those things. How quickly did you move into that? How how fast were you able to go, you know what? I'm not going to let this send me the other direction. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, man. When I, when I describe my forgiveness, I, I, I don't teach people the way it happened with me because with me, I think the Lord literally put that on my heart because mm-hmm. I forgave my mom's killer not even 48 hours after she was murdered. And that's not something you can teach. I think that was just God using me at that time because if you would have told me, Chris, you'll, you'll be 18 years old and you'll forgive your mother's killer for taking her life because she was black, I would have said there's no way in a million years I would ever do that. And so when it happened, I used to think that it was my mom speaking through me because I, I didn't understand it. But growing up in my faith and, and realizing my, my walk that I'm in now, I think that it was God using me to start teaching how powerful it is because ever since that moment, you know, I haven't allowed my mom's killer to to stay on my mind every single day, all day. And I think forgiveness is, is that key to my, my happiness, honestly. And so now I'm just trying to teach people that. What would you what would you say to somebody that goes, well, Chris, when you forgave him, you let him off the hook. I mean, you're you're letting the guy off the hook. What would you say to somebody about that? No, I, I've I've definitely encountered that. People say, you know, Chris, if you forgive, you you let the other person go. Like they cause you the hurt. Why would you forgive them? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I totally understand that because that pain is real. You know, I, I cried myself to sleep at nights after my mom was murdered. My so did my 12 year old brother. So that pain is definitely there. Um, but for me, I realize this. Um, one thing is I, I, I don't think about forgiveness for the other person at first. At first, it's, it's for myself. It's for self-soothing myself. It's for getting through. And when people say, Chris, you let them off the hook. If you forgive, you know, the, the guy's got the death penalty right now. He's definitely not off the hook, to be honest with you. And, and two, me personally, man, I use this each and every single day of my life. I, I go out and I share about forgiveness. I go out and speak about what happened to my mom because I don't want it to ever happen to anybody else. And so when somebody says, Chris, you know, you may have let them off the hook, um, forgiven them. They don't realize for the last five years I've dedicated my life to making sure that people of different races, different religions um, live in harmony because I never want somebody to be taken away from us based on the color of their skin. That's so good, Chris. I, I was reading that the next day you went on the Charleston Southern baseball field and said, love is always stronger than hate. So if we just love the way my mom would, then hate wouldn't be anywhere close to what it is. Unpack that a little bit for me. What, what, what was it about your mom that drove you to be a young man that could react the way that you did? You know, first and foremost, man, I, I was blessed to have really good parents. You know, I go speak at high schools all across the country, and I see so many kids that that weren't fortunate enough to have um, parents. You know, we didn't choose our parents. We got lucky, or in some cases, we were a little bit unlucky. And I was really lucky to have a mom that led with love, um, and, and she always taught me about being a good person, about loving others. And so it was no question for me about, where that came from. My mom definitely instilled that in me. As far as me saying love is always stronger than hate, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> I couldn't even say to you, man, it, I couldn't give you some philosophy, like some philosophy about why, why it happened, how I said it. it. It literally came out, man. It, it, and I always talk about that instance 
um, because right before that, I went to a Christian university. Charleston Southern is a Christian university. And I prayed with our chaplain. I said, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to these people. But we prayed and he said, God, he said, Chris, I believe that God is going to speak through you. Mm. And man, I'm telling you, he sure did. And so that that instant right there solidified my faith, solidified my faith tenfold, to be honest with you. What changed about you spiritually after June the 17th, 2015? Did did, did your faith get weaker? Did your faith because it's so easy to go through times like this as a pastor? I watch people walk through times, and a lot of people leave these times bitter. And and their faith go their faith doesn't go away, but it goes backwards. What happened to your faith journey when that happened on June seventeenth, Chris? Yeah, I'm I'm sure you can speak to this, but I, I honestly believe there's two ways you can go about your faith when something like this happens. I think you can either say, you know, if my mom was murdered in a church while she was praying, there's no way God is real, mm. or you can say, God, I don't know how this is happening or why this is happening but I need you to strengthen me to get through it. And I went with the latter and I, I truly poured in everything I had. Like before I didn't even read my Bible myself. You know, I was just reading what my mom had, had wrote down or I was re reading what I was listening to in church or whatever it may have been. But for the first time I started opening my Bible myself and started that walk for myself with my faith. And, and that was really big for me in my journey. Do you think you'd be who you are today if that hadn't happened? Do you think that you would have the same mission that you have now? To be honest with you, I don't I don't think I would. You know, before there's only two things that I wanted. <laughs> I wanted to uh, you know, get drafted and play in the professional baseball and ultimately play in the MLB. That was one of my goals and my second goal was to be able to buy my mom a Range Rover, to be mm. honest with you. <laughs> she always liked Range Rovers, and I knew we could never afford one. And I said, one day I'm going to buy my mom one of those. Wow. And so those are the only two things that I wanted before, man. I didn't have this out view on life about serving others, about, you know, getting people through adversity. That, that wasn't on my mind. So I, I definitely think things would be a lot different um, had this not happened to me. So here you are, man, you, you, you now are speaking, you now are changing. I want to get into that story and some of the platforms that God's given you now as you're sharing your story across the country. What was the darkest day you've walked through? That, that happens on June 17th. Were there some other dark days you've walked through since that time that you've gone, man, it, it wasn't just an easy trip for me. It wasn't like I prayed and God made me better. Talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've had to walk through even since that time, Chris. Yeah, man. To be completely honest, I haven't shared this with a ton of people, but I'd say probably the darkest day um, was obviously when I found out my mom was killed, but an even darker day for me and myself personally was not even two years later, my junior season. Um, my father, he passed away, and he was mm -hmm. on life support. And I remember the doctor asking me because – I was the oldest of the family and I was my father's son, you know, Chris, are you going to keep your dad on life support right now? Mm. And I remember my sister crying to me saying, Chris, I can't, I can't see dad like this anymore. Like he, he's a vegetable. He's not blinking. Like I, I can't see him like this. And the reason why this hurts so bad is because my father was a great dad, but he was an alcoholic my whole life. And I figured that by my mom, you know, being killed or whatever it may have been that my father was going to get his life together. You know, because we needed him more than ever. And when that didn't happen, and I was on the 
next to him on his deathbed, man, and my sister was crying to me, I realized, man, this this is this is extremely tough. And I I'd probably say that was probably the toughest day that I've ever had in my my young life so far. What do you think made that day so tough? What was it about that experience that you said, man, that was that was like my bottom? What do you think it was? You know, I I think for one, um, me and my dad had a great relationship. You know, he he was a, he he had a sickness, he had an illness, he had a disease where he couldn't put the bottle down. And I didn't really come into understanding that until I was a little bit older in college. Mm. And in those days, we finally started to have an even better relationship. And I said to myself, you know what, this is going to be the spark to make my father, um, you know, get his life together, get get clean and, and stop drinking and all that stuff. And so when it didn't happen, it, it broke me even more because mm-hmm. there goes both of my parents. You know, I, I always thought, you know, my dad was going to be okay after my mom was killed. I figured he would be, he would get back to us and he'd be the best dad in the world like he he is. But when that didn't happen, man, I think just the weight of it all, of losing both parents and realizing, hey, I got to step up and be, uh, you know, the father figure, the mother figure for my, my brother and sister, I'd say that was probably the toughest moment. Man, that's that's a huge statement, Chris, because it would have been so easy to run from that and go, man, I didn't sign up for this. I, I didn't sign up to lose my mom. I didn't sign up to lose my dad. And now I'm a parent. I'm not just a brother. I've become an instant parent to my siblings. What do you think within you caused you to rise to that challenge to step up and go, you know what, I'm going to own it and I'm going to do the very best at it. I can. Yeah, man. I, I, I can't give you some big, huge answer to that. I think in life, sometimes we get thrown into the fire and I was, I was definitely thrown into the fire at 18 years old, having my brother and sister and trying to figure out uh, that what, what life is and, and, what bills are, you know, I didn't know that, that car insurance always said, I didn't know that car insurance was mandatory to be honest with you. I thought <laughs> you can get car insurance if you want. And I was like, Hey, I ain't paying for that until I realized, Hey, you, you got to, like I was literally thrown into the fire and I used my faith. And I, I one thing about my faith, it, it strengthened because I used to read my mom's Bibles. My mom would do this thing where she would read the Bible from cover to cover and, and every year. And she would highlight things in the Bible. And in one way that I would get through my tough days was reading the Bible and reading the things that she would highlight. Mm. For some reason, that, that felt like I was, you know, close to her in those times. And so that was one thing that helped me get through it. But each and every day I made a decision that I wasn't going to let what wasn't going to let what happened to me dictate the rest of my life. And so I guess that's what kept me kept me going every single day. Man, that's huge. And what a what a I mean, it's great to it's great to stand on a platform and tell your story, but living your story in front of your brother and sister um, is even better. I know one of your favorite quotes is by Inky Johnson, who's just an incredible guy. The worst thing a man can do is be a public success and a private failure. Do you think that that is a driver for you going, I want them to see what this is supposed to look like to respond right? Definitely, man. Even in my life today, I, I try to live a certain way so people can see me and say, you know what, Chris, he may be a great communicator. He may be, um, you know, a good baseball player, whatever it may have been. But I want them to say he's a great father, a great husband. And I want my wife to know that I'm always pouring into her and my son will never lack for anything. And so I definitely think um, being that example for my brother and sister is, is one of my driving forces. So you hang up your baseball career. 
you, you, the, the time comes that you go, you know what? It, it's time. I'm hanging it up. When, when you hung that up, did you know what God had for you next? Did you have any idea what your next steps would be at that point? Well, you know, I, I, I can't say that I did. I, I did say, I can't say that I had faith that God was going to provide, you know, I just didn't know how. Um, I've been doing some speaking here and there in the off season during uh, my professional baseball stint. Um, but I never thought I could make a living doing that. I just figured, you know, it's something that I can do to give back and, and, um, you know, share my story and inspire. Uh, but I remember me praying about it, um, at the beginning of 2019 last year, I, I, I started praying about it heavy after I got released and I said, you know what, I, I think God's going to provide for it. So I'm going to go for it. And, Boy, did he, man. I, I never could imagine that the opportunities that I've been able to get so far as far as speaking and, and turning it into a career and a ministry. What's your biggest, what's your, when you grab that microphone and you step in this new box, which is a, which is a platform that whether it's in front of a high, group of high school students, college athletes, or business leaders, whoever it is, church, I know you speak in a lot of churches. Whenever you step in that box and you grab that microphone, What's your biggest prayer of how God uses you? My biggest prayer, and this is this is really easy. My my message is love your neighbor, you know, love mm -hmm. thy neighbor. Um, people are different, yes, it, we are, but uh, when we put those walls down, we start telling our personal stories about why we're different or how we were raised. Man, I think so many people can learn uh, to to think differently about people. Um, and it is an election year this year, and, and we've got tons of different. Uh, I'd like to say different perspectives on things. And, and I don't want those perspectives to stop people from just being nice and kind to one another. <laughs> and me, my mother was taken away from me because of the color of her skin. And so when I speak at different to different audiences, I want people to know, Hey, we may be different. You may look different than I do, or you may speak a different language than I do be from a different country than I am, but I still love you regardless. And that's one thing that I, I definitely want everybody to take away when I, when I share. What do, what do you what do you think would change about people if they would just stop to know another person's story? I've got a really good friend. He does a ton of work with high school students, does a ton of work in prisons, and he he makes a comment. And his comment is, if we will know somebody else's story, it's impossible to hate them. What changes when you learn somebody's story? What changes when you get to know them? Man, I, I love that because it, you, you're more empathetic, I believe. So I, I'll give you an example. See, I, I don't, I don't like guns. I, I always tell people I don't like guns, but one of my best friends, he, he, he carries a gun. He, he loves it and that's what he does. And I love him and he understands why I feel this way. The reason why I don't like them is because my mom was taken away from me no. because of one, you know, I, that's the reason why I don't. So it's pretty easy to see why I don't like guns. My, my friend on the other hand, he absolutely loves me because that's what he grew up doing with his grandfather. And that is his thing to remember his granddad. And so whenever we talk about it, I understand his story. He understands mine. And we may have a different perspective or a different opinion about it, but I still love him and he loves me to death. And I think when we, when we tell those stories, those walls drop, man. And we're more empathetic to each other. And, and a simple story, like what I just said, man, I think it will get us a long way if we, if we stop and, and listen. I know you spend a lot of time too talking about the power of teammates. What, what role does it play when you've got good people around you in life? Oh my goodness, man. That is, that is essential. 
I think it, it doesn't matter if you're playing sports, if you're in, in business, when you've got a, a solid team of people that you can rely on, whether it's um, in the workplace or whether it's, you know, at home, man, I, I think teammates can save lives. I truly believe that because my teammates were there for me in the darkest days of my college career when my mom was murdered. I, I had my teammates that were there. And at this time, man, I wasn't going to a therapist. I wasn't, you know, going to talk to my pastor about it. It was, it was me and the game of baseball. And aside from the game of baseball, I was broken. Mm-hmm. And my teammates were there to fix me. And, and I always say, man, teammates have the, the power to save lives. That's so good. And I know we have a lot of coaches that listen into this, Chris, a lot of guys that are in high school, a lot in pro and college coaching as well. What would you tell a coach about the power that they play in a young athlete's life? Oh my goodness, man. I, I, first and foremost, I've got two coaches right now that are like my father figures. One of them, he's a, He's about 65, 66 years old. He won't tell me how old he is. I know he's up there now. I don't know how, how truly how old he is, but he, he, he literally helps me with my finances. Like I said, I don't have my parents here. I don't have my grandparents. I'm 23 years old, by the way. I'm, I'm still learning at this thing called life. And so when I go to him and ask him about this investment or ask him about you know, where I'm, what I'm doing with my family, setting our, my, ourselves up for, for our future, like my coaches is who I go to. I don't, I don't have anybody else. You know, one of my... I, I call him one of my heroes was my high school basketball coach as well. I remember him being 32 at the time, I think, or 33 when I was in high school. And he literally told us about his father who was an alcoholic. And I never heard a man come out and, and tell us stories about things that he was going through in his life the way he did. And that I literally trusted him with my life. And to this day, I still have coffee with him and, and ask him different questions about life. And I think Without these coaches, man, I have no idea who my mentors would be or who my people would be that I, I look to for information. That's so good, man. I, you know, it's so easy, and I know it's so easy to get caught up in the game and get caught up in the scoreboard at the end of the game and in recruiting and all the other things. The power they have in a life is massive. And, boy, that, that is such a great testimony, Chris, of the difference it made to you and it continues to make. I mean, that's not going anywhere. And, listen, you're going to find this out, bro. When you get old like us, you, you don't want to tell anybody your age, man. You're not proud of it anymore. <laughs> those, those, those digits keep getting bigger, man. We don't like them at all. <laughs> no doubt, man. I believe it's the way It's the way that it works. So as you live 23 years old, you, you become a father to your siblings, you've become a father, a husband. Um, what do you pray God does with the rest of your journey? As you look out the front windshield and you know what's in the rearview mirror, you know what's in the the story that that catapulted you to the place you are now. How do you pray God uses you 20 years from now when we're looking back, you and I connect 20 years from now and say, all right, Chris, tell me about your last 20 years. What are you upset about that? You know, first and foremost, I think I, I want I want to remain humble. I hope that God, you know, places that on my heart to remain humble because a lot of times when you are given a platform, um, you allow that platform to to shape who you are. And I never want to change as a person. And so I pray that God keeps my heart in the place that it is today um, to serve people. Um, so that's first and foremost what I want to happen. Secondly, I hope and pray that I've been an awesome father because my, my son hopefully will be out of the house by then. <laughs> at, at 21, <laughs> 22 years old. Um, so I hope that my son is is doing extremely well. And I, I want to keep spreading the message of love. I want to keep um, getting people to 
to, to overcome life's unthinkable adversity, man, because that's what I share about when I go to companies because so many people are going through life right now. Um, and these days right now are, are, are scary, man. People don't know what's going to happen next. And I want to just provide them with some information that I've learned along my journey to say, yes, you don't know what hap- what's happening next, but you need to have faith and realize that you can overcome whatever life throws your way. So hopefully 20 years from now, the audience grows, you know, my influence grows and I'm able to remain humble and I'm still the best father and best husband that I can be. What's the biggest, what's the biggest tip you could give to somebody's listening in today and they're struggling at work or struggling in their marriage or they've experienced the loss of a loved one and what they're going through. What's the biggest first step for them in getting through adversity? What would you tell them? Man, I I think, you know, one of my favorite quotes in the world is from a guy named Charles Swindle, Chuck Swindle, who's um, Texas. I'm sure you know who exactly I know. One of my favorite authors and pastors. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. He's phenomenal. And, and he says this quote and it says that 10% of your life is action and the other 90% is reaction. Mm. And when I saw this quote, I was in college going through the times that I was going through. And this quote literally changed my life because my whole life I had thought to myself, man, it, this, this is terrible. Why, why is this happening to me? Those are the questions that were going through my head. And when I saw this quote, it finally made sense because I, I, everything that's bad that happens in my life, I literally say that's simply only 10, 10% of it. Mm. And so I may be going through, through loss of, with my family, whether it's with, you know, finances, whether it's, yeah, I don't know what to do next or whatever happens to me. I say that's simply 10%. My response to it is going to set myself up, my family up for the rest of my life. And so if people are struggling right now and, and it's because of their job or it's because they lost a loved one realize that's simply only 10%. The way you respond to it with your loved ones, the way you respond to it, you know, with your business, um, it's going to set you up forever. And so that's one thing that I think people can take away is when something happens that's that's rough, boom, that's 10%. I literally say it out loud today. Like I, if something happens to me, that's my 10%. How I respond to it will shape me forever. Man, that's money right there. That is, that is money. And it, I mean, it goes to a, from a ball field, from making an error on the field or a bad pitch or a bad at bat. Oh yeah. To to the worst thing you could ever walk through. If if you went back and you didn't respond the way that you did and you had left that circumstance with hate, not love, where do you think you'd be today? Man, honestly, if if I hadn't reacted the way I would, I, I know my faith wouldn't be where it is today, which mm-hmm. is scary. You know, I couldn't think about that. Um, another thing, I I don't I don't know if I'd be the same father and husband that I am today, mm-hmm. and, and that's scary to think about as well. Um, but I know that it would be eating me alive daily. Yeah. When we don't forgive, when we don't move forward, because I don't believe we ever move truly move on, because you you can't forget that pain. But I believe we move forward uh, through it. And if I hadn't done that, man, I don't, I don't think my heart would be in the right place right now. And so when something would happen to me, I, I have no idea how I respond. Um, whereas now when something happens, like I said, I, I just say, that's just my 10%. That's so good, buddy. That is so good. One day you're going to get to be with your mom again. One day you're going to, you're going to close your eyes here and you're going to open your eyes. And I have a feeling standing right beside Jesus is going to be your mama waiting on you. And in fact, I saw a picture online of her smiling so proud at your senior day of high school. I know she was your biggest fan on the baseball field. 
when oh, yeah. you when when you get through the embrace of your savior and your mom hadn't pulled him off you so she could get to you to give you a <laughs> hug what do you hope she says to you your mama one day in heaven what do you hope she says to you about how you lived out your life here what would you say i hope she she says you know i'm proud of you son and i think every Every athlete, every student, every every person actually wants to be, uh, wants to make their mother proud. And with me, it's a little bit different. You know, the way I live my life every single day, um, I go about it to make my mom proud, to make my father proud. On every social media post, I have a hashtag. It says, can't let moms down. Hmm. It's a daily reminder to me that every single thing I do um, is a reflection of how my mom raised me. And it's uh, showing my mom that I'm trying to make her proud. And so hopefully, you know, when that day comes, we're both smiling and rejoicing. You know, she looks at me and says, son, you made me proud. Timely, huh? You know, you think about all that we're walking through and all that we're going through. His words, spot on. Chris, I know your mom is proud of you, buddy. And I want to tell you, I am proud of you. And I'm praying for you because... This world needs your message, and that message couldn't be had without Christ in your heart. Man, we're standing beside you. We're standing for you. We're locking arms with you, and we're going to tell the story with you that love is stronger than hate. Maybe you want to reach out to Chris and bring him in to speak to your company or your school or your team. His information will be listed in our show notes and I know that your team, your business, your company would be better for it. Man, thanks. We continue the line of inspiration next week when we gather with our guest, Damon West. Damon will share about his book, The Coffee Bean, that he wrote with John Gordon, and how that coffee bean stands out. And that coffee bean is different. And that coffee bean makes a difference. You are going to love Damon West. I can't wait to join you again. Make sure and share this episode with a friend. Leave a review on iTunes. That does help us as we move up the charts and, and it helps other people find their way to the podcast because our goal is to change the spiritual temperature of our country. Thanks again for joining me today and let's go make a difference in the space and the place that God has put us. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.